Hello, welcome to Brain Matters, a monthly podcast where we explore all matters pertaining to the brain and neurorehabilitation in occupational therapy. I am your host, Teresa Green, an occupational therapist. Here at Brain Matters, our mission is to close the occupational therapy research to clinical practice gap. We plan to do this by identifying new, relevant research and discuss how we can implement this research into our clinical practice. We like to start all of our podcasts by taking the pressure off of ourselves and placing it on you, the audience, by posing a question, giving a pop quiz. Do not be alarmed, though. You are the only one who will be grading this quiz. So our fun fact question of the day. In animal studies that looked at mice that have had a stroke, researchers gathered data on how many repetitions of a functional task were needed to create cortical change in these mice. They were looking to answer the question of how much practice is needed to promote neuroplasticity and recovery for stroke patients. From these studies, they found that in order to create this neuroplasticity, hundreds of repetitions of task practice are required. Our fun fact question of the day is, what is the average number of repetitions that a stroke patient with upper extremity hemiparesis receives per therapy session? The answer is 32 repetitions. Now you may hear the number 32 and think, hmm, that's not too bad. 32 sounds like a decent amount. However, recall that research has already identified through animal studies that we need hundreds of repetitions to create neuroplasticity and to alter the functional abilities of the affected limb. Therefore, we have just identified a research to clinical practice gap. We've identified a problem, and actually, to be quite frank, we've identified a disservice to our patients. So over the next few episodes, the next few months, I'd really like to cover a few answers that researchers have identified to address this gap, this problem. Uh, The first proposed solution we will discuss this month And our topic for the day is task-oriented circuit training. Let's dive right in. To focus our understanding, we're going to direct our talk to answering four main questions concerning circuit training. Number one, what is task-oriented circuit training? Number two, what are the benefits and barriers to implementing this circuit training? Number three, what is the evidence surrounding the topic? And finally, number four, what is the clinical application of task-oriented circuit training? Let's get into it. Task-oriented circuit training is a supervised group therapy with a focus on repetitive functional tasks and exercises that progress as the participant improves. Generally, there's a series of workstations arranged in a circuit or a set of individualized activities within a group setting. Each participant spends a specific amount of time at each station from 5 to 15 minutes and then moves to the next station until completion of a full circuit. The number of workstations and or the sequence of the circuit should be individualized and prescribed by the therapist according to the patient's abilities and interest. But why should you consider implementing circuit training into your clinical practice? The benefit that I'm most attracted to is the increased repetitions of practice that circuit training will provide for our patients. Circuit training is done in a group therapy format and that allows patients to receive those repetitions despite the time limitations we may have from insurance and uh, without increasing staff requirements. Other benefits in circuit training 
include benefits and participation, peer support, social interaction, and motivation. Additionally, the increased time and therapy that circuit training provides is associated with positive effects on walking speed, balance, and activities of daily living. There are barriers, of course. Some barriers we should consider are um, how would we transport the patients to the uh, workstations, to the circuit, hygiene, cleaning equipment, particularly now as we're dealing with COVID, we have to be hypervigilant with our cleaning practices. Uh, the tech assistance, you're going to need a therapist and a tech monitoring the room and moving the patients from station to station. These tasks probably have to be fairly independent um, tasks that the patients can complete on their own and is fatigue a barrier. Let's get into the evidence. There is moderate support for the use of circuit training for low extremity recovery and mobility. Unfortunately, the evidence for circuit training to improve the hemiparetic upper extremity is limited. A recent study found good results for a four-week circuit training program. The study found that when compared to an NDT group, the task-oriented circuit training group achieved significant improvement in their independence with using the affected upper extremity and increased arm and grip strength. In another study, participants rotated between six six-minute stations that included a reach and grasp, fine motor skills activity, strength training, sensory retraining, virtual reality activity, and cardiovascular training. Their results indicate a positive effect on upper limb performance for patients with chronic stroke. The evidence really just shows us that we don't have enough information. We have a research gap. We need more studies that examine circuit training and its effectiveness for improving the upper extremity limb after a stroke. This brings us to our final question. How would we implement this into our clinical practice if we're interested? Decide on the stations that will be feasible for your setting. Consider space and the location of the circuit. Identify the equipment that will be needed. Identify the staff that will supervise the circuit. We recommend you start small. Perhaps trial a three to four station circuit with two patients. And finally, present the idea to your manager and therapy team to generate other ideas. In conclusion, we hope you learned a little with this brief introduction to the topic. In our quest to close the research to clinical practice gap, our goal is always to bring you topics that we feel will be relevant to your clinical practice. The references used to make this podcast are posted in the comments for you to continue your research on this topic. Thank you so much for listening. See you next month on Brain Matters.